Welcome to Beyond Trauma, a podcast from therapists for clients about the healing journey. We hope this will be a resource of encouragement, comfort, insight, and understanding for you along this courageous process. Welcome back to Beyond Trauma, a guide for your healing journey. Um, It is Mel and I here in the studio today. Mm -hmm. Um, Sad, Jen is not here. Um, she's on vacation though. That's true. She Wisconsin? deserves it. Yeah, is that where Nebraska. She I, don't Ooh, know. I don't know. That we're not very good <laughs> Someplace friends. Someplace right north. <laughs> well, she goes a lot. She, yeah, so yeah, I don't know where they <laughs> it's are. Hard to I keep think track. Wisconsin. Yeah. For some reason, that's sticking in my that brain. Makes sense. Or Michigan. I don't, I don't know. know. Somewhere up north. Uh-huh. But we're here. In, we're in Springfield. Yeah, rainy in my human house, Missouri. Uh-huh. Um, in my kitchen nook. <laughs> so if you hear rain or birds, that's it's because it's. July 1st. Uh-huh. So um, today we are going to be talking about how trauma affects the brain right. from bottom to top. Mm-hmm. And we'll tell you what that means. We'll tell you all that what that, yeah. what that means and why we look at it that way, uh-huh. which is very important. Okay. But before that, we wanted to um, once again extend invitation to get involved with Beyond Healing uh, through Patreon. Patreon mm-hmm. is a platform that we use that allows listeners to support podcasters in their content creation. And in exchange, you get access to all kinds of different resources, um, and you can do that through any uh, any amount uh, specified on the tiers that we have available by donating that amount, and then you'll get access to those resources. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to direct your attention to that, and that's at patreon.com uh, slash podcast. And you will then be directed to our faces and all of the content that's on there. You can see what we you look can like. See what we look like, and uh, donate uh, some some uh, help to us. And in exchange, we will give you access to all kinds of different resources that we've developed mm-hmm. um, over the course of this podcast's life. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we hope that that's helpful to you guys. Yeah. So the other thing that we wanted to share with you guys too is uh, we are booking trainings for. 2022, mm-hmm. which seems weird to be thinking about 22, but in July, happened. you know, that's what we have We're already to do. full. So yeah. Um, so one of the trainings that uh, we offer here at Beyond Healing is called the trauma informed care training. And mm. we, our favorite way to do this is to come and do it for a group of people that work together in some capacity. Um, so things like if you are a teacher, an educator, Um, If you work in the medical field, all kinds of different options. Basically, if you interact with humans regularly. (laughs) Do you have a nervous system? Do you have a nervous system and do you interact with other people with nervous systems? Yes. Yes. Okay, then this training is for you. Um, (laughs) The focus of this training is really on how to have nervous system and uh, trauma-informed interactions with other human beings. So this is super applicable in all kinds of different settings, but it's basically three days of educating you about why you feel the way you feel, why other people feel the way they feel, why you do what you do, and why they do what they do, Mm -hmm. and how to show up and interact in a way that is really going to be um, the the safest and the most, um, I don't know, peaceful and therapeutic way of interacting with other people um, and yourself of really understanding how do I uh, own my own humanity and also respect other people's humanity 
Um, and if that sounds really ooey gooey, it is, except it's based in really great neuroscience. Yes. And uh, we spend a lot of time talking about the science behind what it means to be a human being that has uh, life experiences yes. and how those experiences shape us and train us to be who we are. So if you want us to come and do that training with you and yours, you can get on our website at uh, beyondhealingcenter.com and look at the trainings tab get a little more information there and then email us at trainings at beyondhealingcenter.com and we will get you all of the information that you need and we would love to talk to you about bringing this training to your area um, whether you're a therapist whether you're some other kind of professional or whether you're just a human being mm-hmm. um, a group of uh, church friends would work sure uh, we would love to do that yeah a mom's group a yes bridge please. club Ab- absolutely because there's club. humans there turns out there's humans yeah yeah <laughs> somebody the uh, ultimate frisbee team there uh, there we go yeah, we'll come and do a training for you guys yeah um so yeah reach out and uh i think that what we're talking about today and what we've been talking about on the last several episodes turns out <laughs> is actually part of our trauma-informed care training. That's right. And uh, so you're getting little snippets of what that 3J training is. And that training is very immersive, very experiential. And we yeah. do a deep dive into the neuroscience of all of yeah, this. Yeah, we just did one of our one of our trauma-informed care trainings um, here not too long ago. And the feedback was, um, do you have uh, people that often want to quit their jobs? <laughs> because of this um because of how just um revelational it is mm-hmm. um what it is to recognize wonderfully confronting yes yeah um almost kind of calling people out <laughs> a, a little, lot of times a, a little, little bit or yeah. your parents out definitely you know, that. that happens if <laughs> or you if are, you a, are parent, a parent you feel uh-oh. a little called out yep yeah because the way we are in relationship right informs our development yeah oops i and i think by the end of the third day i think day one is wow i feel really called out day two is oh my gosh there's a lot to integrate here and day three is filled with a whole lot of hope and inspiration Mm -hmm. about oh now that i understand yes i can begin to interact differently Be intentional Yeah, yeah and get totally different results not only in the way that i interact with myself and care for myself but in my relationships yeah so this feels like a perfect segue into what we're going to talk about today yes because turns out it's basically the same thing (laughs) so this this podcast you're listening to i'm not sure if you knew this was called is called beyond trauma Mm -hmm. um for a reason for a reason because um and and the reason I'm, i'm bringing attention to that is because we have the word trauma in the name of this podcast mm-hmm. Um, that is so much of what we what we look at in our clinical practices. Um, we're all trauma specialists and nervous system informed clinicians, and what we mean by that is different than what other people mean by that. Yeah. And so that's really what this podcast is about: mm-hmm. is as a person who's coming into trauma therapy or just therapy in general, what does it mean to have trauma and then to talk about trauma? Yeah. Um, it means a lot of different things and a lot depends on who you ask um, because they're going to say a lot of different things. So what we mean by trauma, just very briefly, and that's going to then shape the rest of our conversation. And if you don't want the brief version, go back to episode one. Yes, go back to episode (laughs) one. But just orienting our conversation here is um, that we understand trauma to be any experience um, that creates a reaction in us or or just intrudes on our consciousness that is too much too soon too much for too long or too little for too long in the absence of secure attunement. Mm -hmm. Um, That last part is something that isn't explicitly said on that episode one, but what we've really come to find is that even in those experiences with secure attunement, 
you can still respond adaptively and experience actual growth Mm -hmm. in those experiences that might be too much too soon, too much for too long or too little for too long. But it's when we're in the absence of secure attunement and we don't have that close and consistently reliable and safe relationship that we really experience the nasty effects of Mm -hmm. trauma Mm -hmm. that actually uh, are further perpetuated over time. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's what we're going to kind of get into today, yeah. starting all the way back mm-hmm. in the simplest form of human beings. Right. Infants babies. And just babies, <laughs> little babies. Perfect little babies. Perfect babes, uh-huh. yes. So I, you know, I think we can start with that idea of the human brain develops from back to front. What what exactly do we back mean by that? Yeah. Bottom to top. Bottom to top. And we mean that quite literally. <laughs> That's right. (laughs) Literally. Yeah, like literally, that is how uh, we grow. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you look at, you know, a tiny little baby, there are portions of the brain that are completely developed from the day that we're born. Yep. Been developed in utero for very specific reasons. Yes. And then there's portions of the brain that are not developed at all and even more that are underdeveloped Mm -hmm. and uh, take quite a bit of time to actually come to their full maturation. And our brain as a human is not done until we are in our early to mid twenties. I will say that again, early to mid twenties. We're not done. Done baking. Yeah. (laughs) Ding. We're an adult. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Which makes things like driving in the voter's age really concerning, but we'll talk about that later. People Uh, getting married before they're 25. Yeah. Um, yeah, basically don't make any big choices until you're 25 because you don't actually have your whole brain online, um, which all of the parents to teenagers out there, you are right. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And I think that's, there's something in the importance of understanding bottom up back front, because as you look at an infant, it's not that there's nothing in their skull. Not at all. There's just, there's mass Mm -hmm. that is not, um, not differentiated or um specialized the way an adult brain is so there is this mass of cells in their brain this material that is just waiting to Mm -hmm. be shaped through experience Mm -hmm. and well so i was going to say an analogy is this there is a significant difference between a lump of clay and a pot that's right right one is necessary to get to the other. Right. But that lump of clay cannot do what the pot is going to do. No. Right? And so a, a infant brain is very similar to that. All of the stuff is there. Right. It is just not formed into the thing that it's going to be. Yeah. And um, if you guys are, if you think about brain scans that you've seen where there's like parts that are lit up really bright and parts that are dark and there's nothing there, it's not actually that there's nothing there in the black right. spots, right? We don't have brain holes. Right. Um, contrary to what the dare movement tried to teach us in the 90s <laughs> this is your brain on drugs that's right yeah you don't actually have holes in your brain um what it is though is a lack of electrical activity right, right? there's nothing going on in there the lights are out and no one's home in those portions of the brain um in those darkened areas on brain scans in babies it's that the the bottom portions and the back portions of their brain are much more electrically active. There's a lot going on back there. And in the higher regions and the front regions of their brain, yes. there is much more minimal activity. Because there doesn't need to be. Because there doesn't need to be. And it just hasn't finished baking yet. That's right. It's not done. That's right. Um, the sacrifice that we made as bipedal mammals in order to get to stand up is that we had to have smaller pelvises. And I promise this is relevant. Oh, I know it is. Yeah. (laughs) Don't, you don't have to point at me. I know this. Okay. So, so the sacrifice evolutionarily that we made in order to be bipedal is a tiny pelvis. 
And the consequence of a tiny pelvis is that our babies have to be small enough to fit through that tiny pelvis. When a baby has to be small, that means a tiny head. Tiny head. And a tiny head can't be done, right? <laughs> and so if you think about, have you ever noticed that like chimpanzee babies come out and they're like doing stuff the day they're born? They're like out there playing climbing and around, climbing and mom doesn't have to, to hold them. Yeah. And like, you know, playing in trees and feeding themselves. That's because they're not bipedal. That's right. They so wide pelvis. That's right. So they can afford to have more mature babies um, when they actually finally give birth. So as human beings, we have tiny and therefore less capable babies. Right. Meaning they're not done developing. Right. Ideally, our babies would like stay in gestation for about six more months. Yeah. Right. But they don't because we have to have little babies. And so <laughs> we do. I, and hey, I, the the result is um, that our brains are and our bodies actually are, right. are pretty underdeveloped when we're born and we're incredibly dependent. And this gets relevant later on for other things that we're going to talk about. Infant humans are the most dependent and needy infant mammals ever. Yep. And that is the price that we've paid, number one, to be bipedal, and number two, to get the large heads that we eventually get. Right. <laughs> or large and brains, I yes. should say. And I think that this understanding, it, it may sound... Well, I don't know, listener, how it sounds to you, really, because I've heard so many different. We find it fascinating. Yeah, I, uh -huh. I've, yeah, over the course of our of our um, kind of teaching this and, and interacting with people around the material, I've gotten so many different re reactions of "Wow, this makes so much sense," or some people that mm -hmm. uh, aren't sure that it makes that much sense, right, or wondering why and how it's relevant, right? To exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Well, if you start with the with the reality that there is unformed, uh, un um, Differentiated. Undifferentiated mm -hmm. and unspecialized parts of the brain. Mm -hmm. You, it just begs the question of, well, then how do you develop? Yeah. How do those parts become linked and differentiated and specialized? Well, maybe it's just automatic, Bridger. Right. Right. Then maybe it, it, it just, just happens. happens over time. Yeah. Well, that is not what neurobiology Turns would say. Out. It's yeah. actually shaped in experience and state dependent relational context right so a simpler way of saying what you just said because that was a lot of words is it was only four actually <laughs> but they were big ones so <laughs> whatever um if you guys are familiar with the nature versus nurture debate what bridger is saying is that that is an er erroneous debate false dichotomy a false dichotomy because our nature is created by our nurture one informs the other it is both yes and so they are always working together to produce the the human that will be mm -hmm. at the end of that process yeah. and um the the experience dependent nature when we're talking about that what we literally mean you guys is that when we have an experience things happen uh materially and practically in our brain neuronally new, yeah. yeah new neurons are created new connections are made and now there is new electrical current flowing to brain regions where when we're a child previously it was dark and now things are happening it's lighting up and so the way that that is formed and formulated through our experience has a lot to do with the human being that we're going to be that we're going to be yeah. when we're done maturing. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so if that's true, so now we're kind of building our understanding here. Mm -hmm. If that's true, if this, if this unspecialized mass of cells in the skull is formed and specialized then through mm -hmm. relationship, what's the point? Well, the type of experiences you have right. 
are going to have different effects on the brain. Right. Because as this process is happening from bottom to top, back to front, your sense of identity, personality, consciousness, sense of self, mm-hmm. sense of other, all of that is forming uh, just in, in parallel to your development. Right. As you experience a you know interaction with mom as an infant when you were crying and she didn't soothe you, that gets tucked away as, well, what was that about? Mm-hmm. Why did mom not come to me? Does she not love me? Am I, am I not lovable? Am, maybe she was busy. Maybe she's too busy for me. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, mm-hmm. All of these questions are being sorted out through later relational context because that's the way the brain develops. And, and a point that I think is really important right here is that none of that is happening verbally. Nope. Right. None of that is happening in a conscious, Even, articulated, yes. aware, explicit way, way. Um, in the child. And so what that means is our nervous system is doing that processing behind the scenes and is forming itself to match the environment. Right. So the best kind of mental picture analogy that I have for this has to do with plants and training plants. Mm. Right. So if you think about a garden, and plants that like to climb on trellises as the human being in that equation i can walk up and put the trellis where i want it to be and the plant is going to grow in the direction and in the pattern of the trellis that i just put next to it Mm -hmm. so the plant is actually growing in the direction and in the way that the human being has uh, dictated, yeah. right? Has presented to it in the form of this thing in my environment. Now I am going to grow differently. Or if you think about the process of creating a bonsai, mm-hmm. right? This this beautiful little tree. Well, that happened because something in its environment acted on it in a really profound way. Yes. And so, you know, the difference between a big, beautiful oak tree and a tiny little oak bonsai, the environment, period. Yep. That's it. And you can get two drastically different results. You know, this giant of a tree versus the, I don't actually know that they bonsai oak trees. I don't think that's true. But other big trees. Other big trees. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oaks might be a little bit too big. But the, the point is, is that the environment literally shapes the the structure of our nervous system and of our brain it's not just this kind of theoretical emotional concept it is very very practical structural physical biological yes and because the brain develops bottom up back to front um, there are so many implications to the age um, mm-hmm. the stage of development that right. an experience happened at because then later development is going to be resting on that right. experience and the structural uh, effect that it had yes um, I cannot emphasize this point enough the brain in its development from bottom up means just as you would you know if you were going to build a house of cards mm-hmm. you're going to pay a lot of attention to the way you stack those cards because you know that the the structural integrity of the higher tiers, the the later layers that you're going to lay on them. Totally dependent. Super dependent. If there's one card that's just a little bit off, Mm -hmm. that could then cause the whole thing to topple down. Well, the brain is built in very similar ways, just that it doesn't just topple into ruin. Mm -hmm. It just short circuits into a trauma reaction or Mm -hmm. into a behavioral activation strategy that is leading us into kind of abnormal uh, reaction patterns or maybe just quirky... Uh, reactions but all along the way it's our personality it's our identity it's Mm -hmm. our concept of self Mm -hmm. and other that is shaped in that process 
Well, and I think one of the the most salient pieces of that is that for the human experience, it's not just what are we going to do and how are we going to behave. It has a lot to do with how do we feel, yes. right? Like what is the the lived the experience? Thoughts we have. Yeah, and so it has to do with when when we don't have stability in the lower regions of our brain our system is more easily stressed. Yes. We we don't have a firm foundation to stand on and so we feel a lot more distress in in challenge and mm-hmm. stress and and we see this all the time that if you have early trauma later stressors are more impactful. And that's exactly what you're talking about is that the foundation of that house of cards um, is not strong enough to support later challenge. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens in the human organism as yeah. well. A very uh, visceral memory is coming back to me of, um, you know, if you blow on a house of cards, mm-hmm. it will uh, be affected by it. But if you pay attention to how you build it, there are different ways that you can actually stack the cards to be strong and resistant yeah. to the blow. Yeah. Um, and actually still stand. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Like it, they're made of paper, yeah. but they can stand up to a, a breeze or to to a exhale. Right. Better than if you didn't have the intention. Right. And you just kind of threw them together. Mm-hmm. That thing's going to topple over as the door closes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's amazing. Yeah. And I think that uh, that reality means that, you know, when we're talking to people about why early trauma is impactful, there are certain points in our development where we are much more impacted. Yes. You know, and, and going back to that plant analogy, if you try to trellis an old mature plant that's, you know, growing at like, you know, half an inch a week or something like that. Well, I mean, it's going to do something, but not much. But if you trellis a little baby plant that's growing like three inches a day. Because it is growing that quickly, you get a lot more impact with the same environmental uh, issue mm-hmm. being introduced. Mm-hmm. But because it was introduced early, that plant is going to be a lot more affected than if yes. we had introduced it later or at a different point in its, right. in its development. And as humans, we're the same way. If you think about how quick a baby grows, right, that is nothing in comparison to the amount of change going on neurobiologically, yes. right? It's just like lightning speed in there. Yes. Explosions of cognitive development are going on. And so when something comes into the environment at a point of uh, growth, significant change in growth, the impact that that is going to have is a lot bigger than if it had happened later in their life or at a less sensitive developmental stage of life. Right. Mm -hmm. And that just has, I love that plant analogy because it just gets at if that brain is fully developed and has had secure experiences mm-hmm. all along the way of their development, then it's something that comes uh, into their environment that is traumatic right. is going to have less impact right. than if all along their development they had small traumatic mm-hmm. or big traumatic experiences. Right. Right. Um, just as we've been talking about, choose whichever analogy or choose both if you like, the house of cards or the, or the plant. Mm-hmm. If the experience of younger development was completely littered with experiences of trauma, Mm -hmm. those later developmental stages and experiences are going to be impacted to the degree that we're not going to be able to handle the same thing we would had we had a different development. Well, and I think the other major piece, besides just the speed that children are developing, and so, you know, things have a greater impact and sort of change the course of development more significantly when they're changing faster. The other issue is, is that when we're young, we have a lot fewer resources at our disposal. We're, we're little, 
we're physically little, we're underdeveloped emotionally and cognitively. Right. We're naturally egocentric because that's what our neurobiology currently dictates to us is that we have to believe that everything is about us, which means that even with the bad stuff, we take on shame and responsibility for things that frankly have nothing to do with us. Right. But because we're young, we don't have the mental faculties that an adult would or the resources, the power that an adult does to help themselves in a traumatic situation. Mm. And so when we're little, we the, the way that little kids are able to navigate trauma well is when they have a safe, attuned adult That's that right. can be there with them. The guiding post. That's yeah. right. And, and so if we don't, if we're kind of left on our own as a little kid to figure this out, mm. we do not have the resources for that. Right. That is incredibly overwhelming. And there's a point that comes up in many of my interactions with clients where there's almost like a check on their... Um, it sometimes comes across as pride, but it can also just be, well, are you telling me that you know, there's something wrong with me or that mm-hmm. I, I didn't handle something well. Like what else did you expect right. me to do? Right. I made it work yeah. with what I had or, um, it couldn't have been any other right. way. I couldn't have done anything else. Mm, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely. And so this isn't just saying, you know, I don't want you to hear when we say something like, um, we're not able to handle things as well as we mm-hmm. could. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to at all hear that as shame or as no. you should have done it better. It's the equivalent of saying to a child that is, you know, three foot one, why couldn't you reach the top shelf? Right. What's wrong with you? Exactly. Uh, nothing. I'm just short still. I'm three I'm feet little. tall. <laughs> you remember how I'm four? Yeah. Like I'll get there someday. I'll, you know, get to five foot eight or whatever I'm going to be. But today I don't have that height. And it's exactly the same emotionally. It's, it's nobody is failing when right. you're young. It's, we're not, we are not neurobiologically capable of handling that in the yes. same way that when we're tiny, we're not able to reach the top shelf of the fridge and get ourselves a snack. Not and this is gonna this this bleeds so well into the next thing. We're not able to get to the top shelf of the fridge on our own. That's right. But we can develop really creative strategies. Right. To get, get us there. there. <laughs> I can climb on the counter. I might do that. That's right. Yeah. I can do other things. And the nervous system is right. functioning the exact same way. Uh-huh. Just the same way that plant is going to start to reach for its closest source of energy and right. sunlight. Right. Our bodies and brains do the exact same yeah. thing. We're going to grow around the rock. Oh, we'll get real creative. Yes. We'll do what we have to do. Exactly. Yeah. What so can I stand on to get to where I need to I be? need yep. that bag of marshmallows that's or right. that well, whatever. Yeah, like, that's definitely a need. <laughs> it's definitely a need. If I'm three years old, I know where mom I, puts those. I know. I see them right there. <laughs> I'm going to get it. Why are they out? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so the brain is doing something very, very similar. Trauma does not, if, if trauma doesn't kill you, your body responds and adapts to it. Mm-hmm. So that means if something happens in our life and we make it through it, we're going to have patterns of activate patterns of behavior yeah. that came in after the traumatic experience mm-hmm. that now make us different than we were before it happened. Right. And that has every, I mean, so many implications. Have you ever heard that uh, it's like a, a wives tale? I don't know where it came from, but I've heard it lots of different places about uh, why do we always cut the ham in half when we cook it at Christmas? Oh, have you ever heard? No. This? Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm going to introduce you to something. new. Thank Bridger, you. Okay. I'm I guarantee ready. that some listeners have heard it and hopefully some have not. So, um, you know, three generations of women are all in the kitchen cooking Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner. And, um, the youngest of the three says to her mom, Mom, why do we always cut the ham in half like this when we cook it? And she said, Oh, well, that's just the way you do it. I, that's, we did it no that way every asked. year. Yeah. Yeah. And grandma starts giggling. 
<laughs> and now mom's curious and turns to her mom, who is grandma. Yeah, why do we says, do that? Why do we cut the ham in half? And she says, oh, hun, I had to do that because my stove was too small when we were little, when you were little. <laughs> It's yeah. just how you do this it. It's just how you do it. And we, you know, why question it? Necessity. Mom, mom always cut the ham in half, so that's how I'm going to do it, right? Mm. Um, I have funny stories like that because we, we lived overseas. Mm. And so my mother would have to make all of these, like, recipe adaptations because you couldn't get certain ingredients overseas. And many times I have just assumed that that's the way you make something only to discover... Oh, no. no, no, it's just because we couldn't That's get that in Asia. That's how we had to make it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It turns out that you don't put mayonnaise in everything. <laughs> but mayonnaise is a great substitute for a lot of things. Just so you um, know. Just so you know. It's fatty. That's it's right. Really That's right. Well. And the flavor. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so the point is, is that our brain works very similar to that story. If it worked, all we remember is that this strategy is one that we should use. Yep. We don't always remember why we did it in the first place because that, frankly, to the brain is less important. The brain isn't even assessing for that. Yeah, no. The 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 variables and the factors of why did I need this strategy and is it always going to be applicable in every situation? Meh, close enough is good enough. Right. Right. And because close enough is good enough to yep. the brain, we end up keeping these same strategies that we developed when we were three feet. And now when we're five foot or much taller than that, it's like our body doesn't know that we got taller. Mm-hmm. And so we're still using the steps tool to get to the marshmallows when we could actually just reach them. Yeah. 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 The close enough is, on, there's an adage, close enough is only true in horseshoes and hand grenades. Have you heard that? <laughs> Uh, close enough is only true for horseshoes, hand grenades, and neurodevelopment. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's a neurodevelopmental joke. Oh, that's, that's funny. funny. I like it. Um, so th- th- why, you know, why are we even talking about this? Beyond Trauma podcast, talking about back to front, bottom up. Well, as we grow older, mm-hmm. we often don't even think about the experiences that we had growing up and the ways our body and mind adapted to our environment given the resources that we had or didn't have access to, Mm -hmm. the relationships that were safe, not safe, sometimes safe, all of that is getting getting integrated into the body and creating a very unique human. Mm -hmm. And what we wanted to do in this episode is just, just ground that in the shaping of the brain over time in relationships. Yeah. That is foundational, fundamental to our understanding of humans in their behavior and their personality mm-hmm. and their identity. All aspects of humanity are shaped in and through development over time in relationship. Mm-hmm. That is just central to mm-hmm. our theory. So in this, um, we have a, a very just kind of important or... Um, uh, that's funny. Um, a very, very just um, synchronized or, or not synchronized, sorry, simplistic uh, preface to looking at each of the brain areas and how they are shaped through trauma um, mm-hmm. over time. So at the very base of the brain, you know, we talked about this is the part that you can see still lighting up as um, an, an infant is born. 
um, these very low kind of uh, original areas of the brain that are activated are concerned with threat detection, um, getting basic needs met, um, you know, I need to be changed, I'm hungry, mm -hmm. I'm tired, mm -hmm. all of those things, those are happening deep in the brainstem. And so as trauma enters a situation and you start to get those, th those areas of the brain shaped to a traumatic environment or experience, well, threat detection is going to be just assumed. That's We're right. going to be constantly looking for threat in our environment. And if that's true, if that's kind of now, you know, the brain is a muscle. And so as you use that over and over again, it's going to be enhanced over time. And so as threat perception and detection is enhanced, that's going to give way to the next layer of development, mm -hmm. which is now into the emotional parts of the brain. That's right. Um, if threat detection is enhanced, that means that the part of our brains that are responsible for the emergence of our emotions and how we make sense of ourselves, that is going to be further uh, affected by these cues of threat that we're getting in the environment. Um, if in traumatic situations we didn't have a source of secure attachment or attunement, now we're on our own and relationships are no longer safe. That's right. So here we are now bouncing back and forth between I need to self-regulate and run away uh, or shut down because I can't. Mm -hmm. And so as that process continues to unfold, our thinking is affected by yeah. that. What yeah. we know to be true in this world is shaped by our development. Mm -hmm. And as our reality, absolutely it becomes our, our reality. consciousness. Yes. 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 The, the resting thoughts mm -hmm. are shaped over time mm -hmm. um, by our experience. So if you know, you've got the back to the bottom, if you've got a, a threat detection system that is now enhanced and, and sort of in overdrive, and the emotional parts of the brain are responding to that with, uh, we're not safe and we need to be activated. We mm -hmm. need to be running back and forth, trying to find sources of self-regulation and uh, avoidance. Then the thinking parts of your brain are going to be concerned with, um, how do we make sense of ourselves right yeah. now? Yeah. How do we make sense of other people? Mm -hmm. um, what is hope? Right. What is the future? What right. is my job, my life, my school, my work, any of that? So I'm feeling the desire to give a very kind of practical story-like example of how this plays out. Mm. And I'm just going to pick a kind of generic and common version of this. Um, I'm not picking on anybody out there, okay? <laughs> mm -hmm. So when we're talking about strategies, human nervous systems have strategies for everything, right? Because our world is full of challenges that we must overcome on a daily basis, everything from convincing myself to get out of bed in the morning to how do I navigate a really, really tricky um, social situation or even if somebody's upset and violent and aggressive, right? So, yeah. And everything in between is a neurological challenge that we as an organism have to figure out how to deal with. Um, and even really positive stuff presents a lot of challenge. Think about going on vacation. There's a lot of challenge in, mm -hmm. in going on vacation, even though it's a very pleasant experience for the most part. So easy example of this would be somebody as an adult is trying to find a, a stable and fulfilling romantic relationship. Mm. And they're observing their patterns and or maybe somebody is observing them to them because that happens <laughs> quite a bit happen. have you noticed you have a type uh <laughs> um so you always do this yeah yeah have you noticed that you always pick xyz and no i haven't noticed that that's interesting, that's interesting. Yeah. anyway anyway yeah. <laughs> i'm just gonna go back to picking the same kind of partner now um so what i'm trying to say is in that is a revelation of the strategy that this person has chosen in regards to the best way to get their needs met in relationships. Mm. 
So here's an easy example. If somebody keeps picking a partner that maybe is emotionally aloof, kind of unavailable, and this pattern continues over and over, it is because they are choosing a partner to match their chosen strategy. Mm -hmm. And that chosen strategy was developed in a childhood, likely with a parent that was emotionally aloof and unavailable. Mm -hmm. So the body and the nervous system says, oh, when it's time for intimate relationship, here is the strategy is that I find. use. Yeah. I, that person is gonna be reluctant to give me what I want to need, and so I will do these certain things to try to get what I need and yeah. try to engage them in intimate relationship with me. Because I know they'll likely respond this yeah, way. Yeah, because this is, this is what happens, right? Yeah. So when my parent was distracted when I was a little kid, you know what always worked? Mm. When I was entertaining, mm -hmm. when I was funny, mm -hmm. uh, now you had to pick the right moment, yeah. right? Like and the right topic, yeah. the right. That's right. Very, very deliberate. That's right. So you have to be really careful about when and how you approach them. But when you have their attention, make oh. sure you make the most of you it. Gotta keep it. That's yeah. right, and make sure that you make it entertaining and engaging, and really pay attention to are they liking what you're doing, and this is the way that you engage an intimate relationship. Yeah. Because just looking at the adaptability of that, if they like the. The, the stuff you're putting out there mm -hmm. when they are focused on you, right. maybe they'd be more likely to show you more attention later. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the only way you get attention. Exactly. Bridger, there is no other way. Right. So if I'm entertaining right. and I'm, uh, you know, thoughtful and I just say the right thing uh -huh. or do the right thing. I take or, care of their needs. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Then they're going to, then they're going to maybe come to me later. Well, that is a relationship. Like that's how you do intimate relationship. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. Mel. Sure. <laughs> Yes, so you see my point. Yes. <laughs> but but that that is a strategy. Yep. Right? That was chosen by a little kid nervous system in order to adapt. Subconsciously. Yeah, subconsciously, yeah. in order to adapt to the environment that they found themselves in, which is here I am a little kid with a lot of emotional needs around having attention from a caregiver. Yeah. And this is how I developed a strategy to get that attention need met. And so I'm gonna take that same exact strategy and that template of relating and apply it in all of my subsequent intimate relationships because this is what my nervous system knows how to Why do. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't I? I, I'm not even considering that there's another option. No. This is the option. It worked with the most important people my mm -hmm. body has ever known. That's right. My parents, That's my right. primary caregivers. Yeah. And so why would I try anything else? And also, what do you mean there's another option? Like that's not even registering as, right. a, as a thing, and is that maybe there's another way to do it. Right, and that to me is why it's so important to look at this over time because mm -hmm. it, it helps us see why change is so hard or even unimaginable. Right. Because the brain has so much vested interest in believing that its way of being is the only way of being. Yeah. Because if we were bogged down by the thought of change, mm -hmm. we're going to be distracted and thus less likely to respond adequately to the stimuli in the environment. Right, right. We're going to be off guard. Mm -hmm. And that that is where the brain says, we'll just trust the old strategies, trust yeah. the old ways because at least that kept us alive then. Right. So why wouldn't we trust it to keep us alive now? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe I want to be happy. Oh, well, no, 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 no. Survival Hap is more important than survival happy. Survival is way more important yeah. than happy. Yeah, get your basic needs met. Yep. Make sure you're safe. Make sure you're taken care of. And if you happen to have a good day and be happy at some times, good, good yeah. job. Yeah. Well, what if, what if we could do both? Well, that's not a sure thing. Right. So better, so, better choose survival. Right. Yes. We can maybe entertain this fun idea mm -hmm. that you have mm -hmm. of trying to explore both. But right. at the end of the day, 
we're going temporary. Yeah, yeah and we're gonna do the old way yep yep so when we describe it that way it gets really really clear and obvious why we get stuck in the habits and the patterns that we do right and so the next question and one that we will answer briefly but not thoroughly but it's also not nice to just like tell you why it's hard to change it's and then coming not, yeah and then not tell you anything tune else. in next week yeah tune yeah. in next week and learn how we don't just stay totally screwed up our whole lives um therapy, <laughs> therapy yeah but more than therapy the the active ingredient in the therapeutic process that um, is so helpful to us in overcoming these patterns and these templates is that later in life with enough uh, experience that challenges the old way we're re-challenging our system with a presentation of a totally different kind of experience and inviting the nervous system to maybe do something different from what it's always done before i love the word maybe Mm -hmm. it's an invitation invitation only yes we can't we can never force it nope it's just a it's on the table and if you would like to experiment with a disconfirming experience yeah with doing this different right i'm here and ready and willing to do that yeah and it's those disconfirming experiences that are so so powerful they happen in therapy they happen in other relationships they yeah. happen in romance they happen in friendship they happen with teachers they happen with you know Even all with kinds the self. of yes and in spirituality there's all kinds of disconfirming experiences that happen there and it's those moments where our nervous system feels safe enough to risk trying a new way mm-hmm. and when we do take that risk and we discover oh that also works yeah and the price that i pay for that strategy is not as high as the other strategy that i've been using Mm. so maybe i could try this new route more consistently and that's when we start to get change and a different kind of experience um, as a human being and it can be slow but it can also happen in a moment Mm -hmm. in a powerful moment of a disconfirming experience Boom, we're never the same again. Right. And those are the moments in life that people, you know, refer to as, you know, I was a different person after that. You know, think about it was the, never the same after yeah, that. Yeah, the birth of your first child. Well, boy, is that a disconfirming experience. I have <laughs> never had those feelings before in any direction. Like yep. all the feelings associated with that. Brand new. <laughs> and I think that's usual for human beings. Mm-hmm. And so when we have those kinds of experiences, it is an invitation to us to open up and try something new. And so healing is possible in those moments in a really profound way. Right. Mm-hmm. And with our view of the brain from bottom up, we know that those experiences that we're having later in life, when we bring that attention and that intention to them, they can actually start to reorganize Mm -hmm. our mind Mm -hmm. how relationships can be used intentionally to reorganize our mind and that's what therapy you know good therapy that actually works that's what it's doing yeah it's creating change not just at the top down level of behavior change you know well when you think of this try thinking of this instead but actually getting at the core organizing principles mm-hmm. of your mind, mm-hmm. which are organized around safety and survival in connection. That's right. Can we have all? Yeah. Can we have safety and survival in connection? I don't know. Can you? Yeah. Absolutely. That's the question. Yeah. That is the question to the body and the nervous system. Yeah. And what, you know, this, the hope of this podcast is and beyond trauma mm-hmm. is that there's always hope. Mm-hmm. There's always invitation in the nervous system. We are built to respond to that invitation. Right. If we can just sit in the dysregulation long enough to see there's hope, right. there's safety. Yeah. When we have a different kind of environment that right. provides the opportunity, and if our body can actually feel 
that that opportunity is safe enough to take, yeah. then we can open up and say yes to that invitation. Um, and that is a big part of what therapy does. And it also happens in other environments as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When the trauma is actually over, yes. I can't respond yes. in a different way. We have to feel safe. Yes. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you guys, that is uh, how trauma impacts brain development. It's a pretty big deal. Yeah. This is just <laughs> a 40 minutes on one of the most fundamental topics that we ever talk about. Uh, yes. Um, so there is so much more. And that's why we talked about the trauma-informed care training at yeah, the beginning, yeah. because um, we go into this for three days mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. we'd love to come and talk with you wherever you are and whoever yeah. you're with mm-hmm. um, because this we really believe is one of the most important things we could be talking about yeah. as uh, those that are focusing on trauma and healing from trauma mm-hmm. and growth afterwards. Or how about parents like trying to provide the environment for our kids so that they don't have to come up with these crazy maladaptive strategies to yeah. survive us. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, that that is, uh, yeah, a a profound invitation um, when you become a parent to learn a new way of relating and being in the world. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, again, go to our website, Mm -hmm. um, beyondhealingcenter.com, then the trainings tab, and you'll see trauma-informed care there and then uh as well as some of the other trainings that we have that are a little bit more focused on the therapist side mm-hmm. of things um but still all uh resources that are centered around you guys yes. around you as listeners yes. um and how to be intentional with your mental health mm-hmm. and um your own journey yeah um as humans with an embodied brain and nervous system yeah yep all right guys thank you so much for listening safe travels safe travels Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Trauma, a psychotherapy podcast from therapists for clients about the journey of trauma recovery. While resources like this can be helpful, they should never take the place of or be used as therapy. We encourage you to find a trauma-informed therapist in your area to be your guide in this healing journey. Take a minute to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and we would appreciate it if you could leave us a review. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at beyondtraumapodcast.com. Thanks again for tuning in.